0: In this episode, I am going to share 10 toxic communication patterns that you have to swear off if you want to have a fantastic relationship with the people around you, so that you can really enjoy your time with them and stop the fighting and all of the toxic patterns that erupt. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, The place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Welcome, I'm Avital. I am a performance coach for parents who want peace, presence and play in their lives and really to create a sense of family bliss. I have four little children myself, along with my husband and we homeschool them and I am on a journey myself and I'm here to share it with you, share everything that I learn and you can pick and choose what works for you. One thing you need to know about me is that I am not dogmatic, I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all. I believe in cherry-picking from lots of different philosophies, lots of different thinkers, and lots of different schools of thought, and really finding that pathway to what works best for our family. So if that resonates for you, you are in the right place. As I was recording this episode, I did have quite a few little kids running around upstairs, (laughs) and so I'm sorry if you hear some background noise. It's just my kids having a great time, so forgive me. Today, we're really gonna be diving deep into communication skills. And this is something that I'm supremely passionate about because I think it's one of the core skills of life that lead us to have a good life. Um, but unfortunately, it's so you know, ill understood. It isn't taught in school. We usually inherit quite a lot of uh, iffy patterns from our parents. And we never really learn what effective communication looks like. And I am making it my uh, personal goal in my adult life to become a master communicator, to be excellent at communication, and I still have a ways to go. Um, But I believe this is the key that unlocks relationships, and I believe that relationships are the key that unlocks joy and happiness in our life in many ways. Now, if you want the show notes to this episode, they can be found over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash 66. And I would absolutely love it if you share it out on Instagram. You can comment there, we'll post it there and in my IGTV. And if you haven't left me a review yet, please do so. They absolutely warm my heart and fuel my work. And I wanna give a shout out to Trang D who left me a review on Apple iTunes uh, that says, I love The Parenting Junkie. This is the place I go for parenting advice. Avital has such a broad and deep knowledge about raising children and her advice so resonates with me. Thank you for all the great work you have done for parents like me and you make me believe that peaceful parenting is possible. Oh, Trandy, thank you so much. It is possible, it's not easy, but we can do it. And I'm so glad that this is a place that serves you and that brings you that hope and that guidance. Um, That is what we are here to do. We are here to be helpful and useful. And really, I want to just add that we're here to champion you. You know, I think a lot of the writings and the teachings about parenting can make us feel, oh wow, there's so many right ways to do it and I'm doing it all the wrong ways. They can make us feel wrong or like we've made mistakes and we all have. And I think it's so important for me on this platform at The Parenting Junkie to say, yeah, we can aspire and we can be inspired by new and great ways of doing things. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're always going to reach them. We're still human. It's complicated, There are a lot of things that are pulling at our heartstrings and pulling our attention to and we can't always put all of our focus on being the best parents we can be. And that's okay. We're all on a journey, we're all making mistakes and so I'm so glad uh, to be of service but I really also want to champion you and cheer you on and make you realize that you are doing the best that you can with what you've got and that's all anyone can ever do. Today let's talk about communication skills because if you're in a partnership, if you're married, if you're a parent, if you're a daughter, a son, a sister, a brother, a friend, a teacher, a colleague, whoever you are, you need good communication skills. And in those close relationships that we have, typically we do come up against conflict. Conflict is inevitable in all relationships. I had a bit of a spat with my husband just this week and the communication skills that I have earned so far really came in handy in de escalating the situation and getting us back into a loving space. The thing about communication skills is that, as I said, they are not taught, but they are transformative in our lives. And I think that they are a crucial part of being a mature adult. In fact, of being a grown up, right? And I think that's the journey we're all on, even though we're already technically grown ups you know, we're of legal age and we have kids and all of this stuff, really many of us feel like kids inside. We get easily offended. We get easily triggered. We say things we didn't mean to say. We don't feel like we're in the driver's seat. We feel like we're at the the mercy, right, of other people's whims or of the news or of the weather or of our hormones. And we can really feel very shakeable in that in that state when we're kind of just operating from a childish point of view. Many of us know that when our children trigger us, we ourselves kind of sink back into a childlike manner, right? And not in a good way of being childlike and curious and open-minded, but in the way of being simply immature, simply underdeveloped, not being able to engage our prefrontal cortex and really, uh, be the mature person in the room. Be the adult in the room who knows how to handle the situation well, uh, with equilibrium. Who knows how to take a break when is necessary, and all of that kind of thing. So, if you want to be a grown up, um, this is really one of the missing pieces: is communication skills. Usually, when we want to try to communicate well, we fall into two. Buckets. One is that we just repeat old patterns. We default communicate, right? We use the same type of language that was used with us throughout our lives or that we saw our parents use with each other or with us. Um, And we just kind of repeat old patterns and we're not consciously aware of the words that are coming out of our mouth, of the tone of voice that we're speaking in, of our body language. We're not actually crafting and working on this skill in a deliberate way. And so we just default, right? That's our default communication style. And then when we try to take on new things, uh, first of all, we can give up really quickly. (laughs) We can try it on. It feels a bit fake, feels a bit weird, feels a bit inauthentic to us. And so we just think, well, that's not me. That's just not how I communicate. Instead of realizing that, yeah, every time you try a new skill, when you first hold a pencil, when you first get on a pair of skis, when you first try to crochet, it comes out a bit wonky and you're not skilled yet. And you have to get past that threshold of the beginner stage in order for it to become fluent and for it to become part of you and to become second nature. The first time anyone drives a car, it feels dangerous and weird and scary. And with time, it becomes second nature so much so that you can listen to music and have a conversation and chew gum all at the same time, and you don't even notice that you're driving. Um, we want communication skills to eventually become something that we're so masterful at that we don't have to think about it consciously. But if we want to reach that stage, we do have to first learn about how to communicate well um, and actually practice it with deliberate practice. So, to that end, today I'm going to actually share with you some toxic patterns in communication, some things that you might already be doing. And if you can self diagnose and notice, oh, yeah, I do. That that, I do that, then you can realize that that's okay, that's just simply not skillful behavior when it comes to communication, and this could be your opportunity to start to replace those toxic patterns with something a little bit more productive and efficient. And we do know a lot about communication. Some of us think that it's so personal and so unique and individual, but the truth is there's a lot of research about how people respond to certain formations of sentences, to particular words, uh, to particular body language, And a lot of it is actually pretty universal. So a lot of it you really can learn, just like learning to drive. It's really learning a set of do's and don'ts. It really is a learned skill. The trouble is that we don't take the time to learn it, to take the courses, to take the practice, to listen to the podcast, to read the books, and become a great communicator. So with all of that said, let's talk about number one, which is interrupting. All right, hands up if you sometimes interrupt. I know this is something that I struggle with and I come from a culture where people Pretty easily interrupt each other, it's not even considered rude. Um, And that's not the UK part of me, that's the Israeli part of me. The UK part of me definitely does not interrupt. Oh, So I'm so guilty of this, but this is a really nasty little habit and it does have to stop. Interrupting is a really bad way of saying what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. And a lot of people interrupt because they just can't hold themselves back. They're so excited or so triggered or so annoyed by something something wrong that the other person has said and they quickly have to set them right. Some people interrupt because they're afraid that they'll lose their train of thought and they won't be able to come back to it later. But the truth is for whatever reason, interrupting is typically a really toxic way of communicating. I don't mean when you're just having a you know healthy, relaxed conversation with your partner. I mean in the, in the height of tension, it's a good way to increase tension and not to get anywhere. And so in that case, if you feel this urge to interrupt, I'm just inviting you, gentle reminder, gentle invitation, to hold yourself back from interrupting, to instead make a mental note of what you do want to say, but try to bring your attention back to listening to what the person is saying. When we're interrupting, we're very busy with our response, with our rebuttal, right? We're in debate mode and we're not actively listening, which is a huge communication skill that we all need to really, really double down on and improve on. The next one is shoulding. I think it's Tony Robbins who says, don't should all over yourself. Um, stop shoulding on yourself and on others. Using words like should, ought to, must, etc., um can be replaced, can be softened, right? Saying things like you should have done this, you shouldn't have done that, um, you should be like this or you shouldn't be like that. Those are the types of things that introduce a level of judgment, and put people on the defensive immediately. And whenever you're saying should, there's actually a request buried in there. There's something that you could easily flip around to saying, please could you do this, right? Instead of you should do this saying, please would you, or please could you, or please can you, uh, it would really be helpful to me, right? And are you willing to? um, Is it okay to assume you will? Right? That type of thing is going to be much healthier communication than shooting all over someone. The next one is generalizing. And this is something that many of us sin with, right? But words that make things seem more extreme, more exaggerated, more total, more total, and you know, kind of, there are no exceptions to the rule. Words like always, never um, are rarely true, right? People don't never listen to us. They aren't always late. Um, And the truth is that they're very triggering for defensiveness, because immediately the other person is going to be looking for ways you're wrong. Like, no, not never on time, because yesterday I was on time. And it becomes this kind of petty argument over the facts. And instead, you want to really soften things instead of saying you're always yelling, right? You can think, well, not always, right? You can think about sometimes, usually, Uh, It happens that, uh, I've noticed that it could be uh, quite common for you to do this or that, um, but really making it a softer and not so totalitarian. The next one is yelling, raising our voices, right? It's something that happens to most of us. Many of us grew up in yelling households. Many of us feel that we need to raise our voice in order to be heard. And it's really a sign of desperation and honestly, a lack of skill, right? I've certainly raised my voice at my kids, even at my partner. Um, And when we raise our voice, it means that we haven't found alternative ways of being heard, right? If we really can't stop yelling, like if you feel like there's just a scream inside of you, um, often it could be helpful to try and just yell something inaudible, some kind of gibberish, like, ah, right? Just audibly getting out frustrations rather than yelling, uh, you know, expletives or some kind of mean, nasty words just yelling to show, oh, I'm letting off steam, I've gotta let this scream out. Um, But even better would be to really try to take a few deep breaths, to release that energy through the breath, and maybe even lowering our tone a couple of notches. When we get upset, our voices get high and squeaky and (laughs) yelly, loud, and maybe bringing our voice down, this is something I learned from my doula when I was giving birth, she said, when you uh, use a lower tone in your voice, like, mm, right, you go down, that is very calming. Um, and she kind of gave that to my husband as a tool because he has a man's voice and a lower voice. Um, she said, it's very good for you to say like, mm, this low hum, this low om as it were, to be calming during the birth. So use that uh, when things are getting heightened and, and, and you know scary and, and out of control during a conflict. Another one that we do, and this is number five, is threatening, right? Things like, I'm counting to three. If you don't stop doing that, then this, or if you don't you know, do this right now, then I'm gonna do this to you. Um, and it just really puts everybody on the defensive. Nobody likes to be threatened. Nobody responds well to it. Children don't respond well to it. Adults don't respond well to it. Um, and it's really, Again, a lack of skill. It's a desperation, and of course, most of us fall into this. Again, I do, I do one of these <laughs> Um, But if you are threatening, right? If, uh, you know, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Um, those types of things, they can often feel really violent, really manipulative, and really scary to the person on the other end. And we do this to adults as well, right? Um, we, we have all sorts of ways of withholding love, of showing them that we're not gonna do things for them if they're not gonna do things for us, or we're gonna set some kind of ultimatum, and it's just not healthy skills. So instead of threatening, right, if you don't, uh, you can do a when, right? when you know when this happens, I feel more comfortable to do this. Or when you're able to calm down, then I'm really happy to have a conversation. When you can talk to me respectfully, I'd really like to reconnect. Um, those types of when this happens, it is still a condition, right? There is still the condition there, but I'm not threatening you with some punishment. I'm just saying, when a different condition occurs, then I'll be available. And I'm putting the onus on myself uh, to show up However, we've said, right? I will be able to have the conversation, or I'll be able to give you what you've asked for, or I'll be able to, um, you know, help you when this situation occurs. When you talk respectfully, when you are calm, uh, when you stop doing, you know, whatever it is that you're doing that's frustrating to me, then I'll be able to show up better. So it's taking that responsibility on how I'm going to show up. And our funny little one that we do is Pointing, right? Pointing with our finger. Pointing our finger at our children or pointing our finger at our partner. You did this, you blah, 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 right? We say the word you a lot, we point at them and we use this aggressive kind of body language that feels like an attack. Pointing a finger in many ways is a very attacking type of body language. Uh, it goes along with hissing, with gritting teeth, with towering over someone, um, with furrowing our brow, with stomping, right? Trying to make ourselves seem a lot scarier and angrier and bigger as uh, as we are. And these are all things I've done. I'm sure you've done them. When we get triggered, we just animalistically act in those ways. We scratch up our face, we show our teeth, we bear our gums, um, and we point fingers or, or, or make big, big hand motions that can be really aggressive. So really, um, the truth is that body language when it comes to communication is about 80% of what's going on, maybe 90. Uh, The way that we communicate that we're calm is that we soften our shoulders, we soften our jaw, Uh, we soften our eyes, we try to have kind eyes, to look kindly. Uh, We use our ears, we perk up our ears to be listening. Um, And we make ourselves very relaxed, so sitting low, low down, lower than the person you're arguing with. And another huge one is opening our palms as a gesture of peace, of openness, et cetera. So pointing our finger or clenching our fists is kind of the opposite of that. The next one that we often do is blaming, right? Something's gone wrong and now we're focusing all of our energy on whose fault it is. And the truth is that finding out whose fault it is is never helpful in a conflict. It's very rarely an accurate science. We don't really know whose fault it is, what led to what, but even if we do, it just does not help us with the solution. And so instead of looking backwards towards blame, we really wanna look forward and say, well, it's happened now. What is the solution? How can we move forward? Number eight is criticizing. When we criticize someone, you know, you're this, you're that, you're a bully, you're so difficult, you never listen, uh, you're a jerk, right? Calling names, criticizing people, just telling them that they're never good enough, that they uh, have a problem. um, These are going to trigger defensiveness 100% of the time. Um, instead of focusing with, on what's wrong with the other person, try again on focusing your request for them. Crit- criticizing just like shoulding is a, a request, a hidden request, right? Please can you, I would like if you, I would really like your attention instead of you never listen. Or please can you treat your sister gently instead of you are such a bully. Those requests in the positive are going to give us what we need and help our, uh, our partner in conflict to focus on what we're trying to build towards, not on what we're trying to get away from. Piggybacking off of that is shaming. Shaming is telling someone that they ought to feel ashamed, that they're unacceptable, that they're despicable, that they're unbelievable, that they're disgusting, repulsive, or any similar label that brings about a sense of shame. As you can imagine, These are just not very good parenting or marriage techniques. We don't want people to feel shamed by us. It's a very kind of damning uh, experience. And the truth is that we've all felt it in the past and probably we've all inflicted it on others. Um, The trouble is that shaming people really extinguishes their motivation to improve and learn and to repair and to move forward because they feel like there's something inherently broken or wrong with them. Um, And they don't feel like, oh, no problem, well, I'm so repulsive, let me just, you know, quickly help you figure out a solution to this problem. Instead, we really wanna try and show them that whilst we're really not okay with what happened, um, we believe in them and they can come back from this. They can bounce back, we can repair, we can get over it and move forward. And finally, number 10, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, there are many more toxic patterns we wanna swear off, but number 10 is stonewalling. Really walking away, ignoring, shutting ourselves down, being unavailable. Look, all of us need a break, and it's okay to take a break in the heat of an argument. In fact, it's usually an excellent idea, because the angry feelings pass, and we come down from our fight or flight mode, and we're able to reengage our prefrontal cortex and come back to the discussion. However, We don't want to make it our child or our partner or whoever it is, their fault, right? We don't want to say, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't look at you right now, slam the door, walk away, and give them the feeling that they've been abandoned, that they're being neglected, that they don't know when we're going to be back, when we're going to come down from this. So instead, even in the heat of the anger, we want to try and be a grown-up, be mature and say... I'm having a really hard time right now. I need a break to calm myself down so I don't say or do things that I later regret. I'm gonna to go to my room for a few minutes or for half an hour or for an hour. Don't worry, I will be back soon. And when I'm back and I'm calmer and you're calmer, we're gonna reconnect when I'm feeling more myself and we will solve this problem. It's not your fault, I just need a break. Why don't you do X, Y, or Z in the interim? So you're really giving them this you know, permission that things are okay and you believe that you're gonna get back on track very soon, just right now, you need a break and you can get your permission to do so. Now, if you want to take these communication skills even further and want to really deepen your understanding of how to be an excellent communicator. One of the things I've put together for you is an ebook. It's specifically for partners and it's all about how we influence each other, how we use psychological primers and triggers to influence and persuade each other about important issues. So if you and your partner or someone important to you has some kind of thing that you want to convince them of, that you want to persuade them of, they want to get on the same page of, essentially, then this ebook is free and it's going to really, really help you. Go over to the forward slash ebook. Really simple you'll get the free ebook there and it will give you 10 Zen Secrets of Persuasion. And if that sounds sneaky and manipulative, it is designed to sound that way, but the truth is there is nothing more skillful than those communication skills that I outline there. I really think that they are very, very, very ethical <laughs> and very uh, psychologically sound. Uh, Their ways of really being influential and we want to be influential on our partners just as we want them to be influential to us.